would it be a bit naked to say for you to repeat that line so you ha- I have a better plan to the, the joke I'm about to make? Gotta write myself a note to plug in the fish tank. Uh, yeah, it, it's you better remember to do that now and not wait until after you come back from your business trip. Or otherwise, those fish might not be... <laughs> you might have uh, less fish. Um... Yeah, I might have significantly less fish. Boy, for I, I asked you to go back and repeat it so I could do the line. I sure did mangle that execution. <laughs> like, there was lots of stabbering <laughs> and stuff. Like, boy, I could have prepared something there. Motherfuck me. What the hell? Well, I mean, in, in your defense, I didn't really have much of a follow-up there either. Like, just, you know, bringing back, uh, bringing up the fact that, hey, the Bim Bam once talked about me murdering fish. Good episode. Both of us have had a thing read on my Bim Bam. Oh, remind me, what, which one was yours? Uh, I sent it to Yahoo about um, just going into a store and stealing stuff. Oh shit, that's right. That's a great one. There's like, there's animated versions of that. Yeah, like, um, one minor moment in another podcast is probably better than like all of the content we've made over the past fucking two years, but whatever. Let's cover that this. That Yahoo, Harry, that Yahoo brought more joy into people's lives than anything we will ever do otherwise i could have just laid down and crumbled into dust like it's i peaked hooray oh let's talk about this this show let's talk about these these four episodes one of which we liked Welcome to Brokazatsu, two brothers' exploration of tokusatsu shows and related media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I would like to apologize to my co-host, Sam, because uh, we were we're actually recording this in the morning, which I think is a first. Uh, we were planning to do it last night, but I was I got caught up some in some things, and I've already seen the Gaim episodes, so I thought, like, oh, I don't need to do too much watching. But, like, in going through it, and also... And also Zero One, which was less of a clip show than was suggested. I just needed a lot more notes to cover the stuff we're doing. Like, I'm a little worried because in this morning, uh, Sam's leaving on a trip. We do have a hard cutoff. Yeah, we we basically, the, our recording is going to be like an hour max, I'd say. Just to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit. Like, the flow of our recording schedule. We have a nice sets recording schedule every week. Like, early in the week, we will suggest recording on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, and inevitably, something will come up and we will bump it back to Thursday at 7.30pm. Like, we will do that every single week. Yeah, but, I don't know, Sam, maybe next week we'll get it done early. Maybe! Maybe! Right now, let's go into Common Rider Zero One, episode 25. And I, I realized a little bit ago, Sam, we we forgot to do the goof at Common Rider Zero One Two Three. God damn it! I specifically asked us to remember... To call out zero one two three, we missed it, Harry. Doesn't hurt as hard as missing episode sixty nine, but let's just be upfront. This is kind of a clip show, kind of a recap episode. Like it's there's five minutes of content in this episode, and it's fine. It's it's a good episode, but notes are thin. It's it's directly halfway through the series, and they're reestablishing. Like, basically, I think at this point they've kind of established all the backstory and stuff, the facts that have gone on, so now they're putting it all in one episode, digestible, and saying, like, here is where it's going to go. They did add a few new things, though. Yeah, some wrinkles. Some of which, I think, is actually uh, information from the movie, which released recently. Wait, there... Wait, shit, Harry, is there a movie that we need to watch? 
in Common Rider shows, they have two movies during the runtime. One early in the series, which is like a crossover between the previous series and the current one. Like, we watched that for Common Rider Double, where it was yes. uh, Decade and uh, Double. So, for this one, it was Common Rider Zio and Common Rider Zero One. Uh, unfortunately, it was like th- theatrically released, and Blu-rays don't come out for a while, so we actually... There's a good chance we won't have it to watch until Zero One finishes. God damn it. Pirate sites, you're failing us. Sure, sure. I'd be better going to it right now. So, Kamen Rider Zio is, uh, it, its theme was time travel, like he would go around and meet different Kamen Riders, so it actually fit a lot better with, uh, Zero One, uh, <laughs> and, and what happened, so in Zio, like, the way it works with the other Kamen Riders is, like, there's a group that are going and changing timelines, and he kind of has to meet the Kamen Rider, and, like, basically, circumstances happen to make them not a Kamen Rider, and he has to meet them and stuff to, like, he, like they change the past, and he has to fix it. So, in this one, Aruto, uh, he suddenly gets thrust into, basically, a Terminator universe, where the Human Gear Revolt worked, and now, like, Hirobi and Jin are exterminating humanity, and they're kind of hiding its, and, like, Fua and Yua are, like, you know... They're, uh, like, John Connor. They're, you know, fighting stuff. <laughs> but a big thing that happens in that movie is that Aruto meets one other human gear who's still fighting for humanity, his father, the original Kamen Rider. So there's a shit ton of backstory in there that we, we're we not going to see until after the series ends. Well, yeah, but, I mean, like, I think a lot of his time travel stuff, they kind of, the important bits they put in this one, that uh, Aruto's dad, uh, Sorin, uh, Hiden Sorin, I think. He developed the first Kamen Rider belt, and he was instrumental in stopping the Himeka Revolt. Like, I, interestingly, I think the version we saw where he tanks an explosion for Aruto might have been, like, the original timeline. And then, because I haven't seen the movie, and, like, I don't know a strict plotline. But then later in this episode, Aruto does a brief flash to his father where, again, Aruto is holding him as an arms, but his face isn't messed up. So I think, basically... They may have fixed the timeline, but the dad still dies in Aruto's arms. But, like, I, I'm sure it's a real emotional moment where grown-up Aruto meets his dad and he's like, yeah, you've, you're a good Kamen Rider. Keep going. Well, I mean, let's stop for a second. We keep saying Aruto's dad. It's a Hubigear. Like, at, did the movie, like, are we still unclear on the whole who exactly are Aruto's parents? Like, we have the grandfather, but there's a step in between that we seem to be missing. I don't know if it's in the movie. Like, I've seen the trailer and, like, just some vague talk about stuff that happens. Yeah, and just, like, so, some of the suits. And the dad's Kamen Rider outfit, by the way, is pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm still believing that Aruto is, like, either a clone of Kurnosuke Hiden or, like, some weird human gear hybrid. And the fact that they're very vague about this whole thing going on. About the father, about the the lack of... I mean, there's no mother either. <laughs> like, like in a lot of Kamen Rider series, there's not a lot of... Basically, the parents' family only becomes important if the family is, like, secretly an evil villain, like in Double. But we have we have the grandfather, and then we have a father... He, like, the show is highlighting the fact of these missing two biological components in the main character's life. It could just be them not wanting to write a family. Uh, I mean, they, they died early, like... But, Either they died early, it's like Peter Parker, why he's living with his aunt and uncle and not his parents, which is, it's not actually important to the plot, unless you're the terrible, you know, Amazing Spider-Man movies. Unless you're the Clone Saga or whatever the fuck that was. God, this is a bad episode to go off on, on a tangent. Yeah, it really is. We have a timeline. God damn it. Let's get back to zero one. Uh, Aruto walks in. Uh, he, he feels really proud of himself for going into his office. Mm-hmm. Uh, whistle while we work, but uh, Izu. Izu has a cold. <laughs> 
Yeah. And Arto, he starts getting her his hidden family me- recipe, but they stops and says, wait, you're a human gear. How did you get a cold? <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, she has like an, ador- an adorable, like, you know, cold rag on top of her head, like for most of the episode. <laughs> An ice pack, which she balances on there for much longer than is necessary because Izu is, is adorable. Yeah, it turns out that uh, she can't connect to the satellites, like it's being jammed. So she asked in the human gear doctor to come in and kind of just see what's happening. And the human gear doctor, he's wearing a lab coat. He's got... It's not doctor. It's human gear scientist. Uh, I think she calls him a doctor at one point. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, I mean, my translation was scientist the entire time. Okay, sure. I mean, this is... I'm doing overtime. You're doing, I think, Genom Corp. Like, I think the Japanese word is Hakusei. That means both doctor and scientist. So... Makes makes sense. I mean, yeah. White lab coat. Yeah, he's wearing a white lab coat. He's got frizzy hair. And he also has a light bulb thing on his head that lights up whenever he realizes something. Yes. And he finds a jammer that is hidden inside a book. And Arthur freaks out because how did someone get to his office, which is at the top of a secure building, to, you know, hide this jammer? And before the credits, the camera then pans up to see a figure standing on the roof. Yes. Kind of looks familiar. Kind of looks like an evolved version of the uh, Falcon, like, uh, transformation from before. Then Fuel comes in and he says, yeah, I'm pretty sure the person, I think I know who did this. So you know how I had Hirobi under lock and key? Maybe not so much anymore. Um, like, my bad. Uh, maybe literally, because I'm, I'm, I, Harry, am still saying he's mind-controlled. I still think that's a very, very strong possibility. If it doesn't turn out to be true, then, they're, then it, they've been just doing weird stuff. Which, you know, sometimes shows throw out red herrings, or there's a creative, uh, sometimes they abandon a plot line. Oh, that so. happens a lot in Toku. Yeah. For example, like, again, the competition isn't in this episode. It's like, I, I think they're restarting it next time, but... <laughs> they just needed a break. We all needed a break. The writers needed a break. The series needed a break. Yeah, they shouldn't have done three in a row. Like, they needed they needed to space them out. So, the, the scientists, he kind of plot dumps on us a little bit, and as we said before, this is where the clip show element uh, comes in. Uh, so, we see the presentation of Fubagears uh, created by uh, uh, Hidden Intelligence... Uh, the former president, he's, like, uh, presenting them to a crowd, just a whole lot of human gears. Yep, they're the old model with kind of the original ear gear, which the scientist guy is, by the way, so you can see he's older. And I do wonder a little bit, because it's it's never portrayed as the older models are, like, less good. Like, the older models, oftentimes, like, you know, they've developed more personality, like, they were closer to sentience when we run into them. Although the new ones, I guess they do have, like, very specific, like, uh... Like, the match is able to read people really well, and, I don't know, the bingo can judge. Uh, it's it's vague, whatever. It's like, is an iPhone ten really better than an iPhone eight? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So he talks about how they were planning to launch the Ark to coordinate the human gears, but Zaya was in charge of doing the AI for the Ark, and Jack decided to input all of humanity's sins in and tell us to cause problems. Yep, so there was the Daybreak City uh, revolt, which apparently Aruto's father, as the first Kamen Rider in this universe, uh, stopped by destroying a city? Like, did did I read that right? Did the father, like, nuke the city? No, he stopped the launch. Remember that the guy in the, uh, there was that guy in the power plant who nuked the city? He, like, locked himself in and, like, self-destructed. Okay, okay. And also, the scientist guy, he says, by the way, I 
used to design human gears back in that day. Having human gears designed human gears, I think that's already a problem. That that's a singularity right there. <laughs> Hirobi is a father type human gear designed to raise children, much like Aruto's dad. We see the birth of Hirobi, like his his skin being sprayed onto his form. Uh and also like has a very nice chest, the Hirobi actor. Also, Harry, like in the presentation uh, with the human gears, like to the audience that we saw, like a little bit of like in the Q and A period. How many questions do you think they got in before the question "How fuckable are these?" Uh, was asked? Uh, you know, I feel like the camera cut away at some point, but in the presentation, the next sentence he says is probably like, "By the way, very fuckable." <laughs> little bit more backstory and uh the scientist recommends talking to uh jack about ropey because uh, he was the one who kind of gave him all the bad ideas in the first place uh we get a brief interaction with you like man we're not getting much you like i really 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 hope they give her a much bigger role in the back half of the series it's been a while since she's been able to do much major but she's kind of just hanging around jack and making increasingly disturbed faces when he's talking about his evil plans. For example, Jack is saying, yes, I, I created this whole Mitsubo Jinrai situation because I wanted to go into arms manufacturing. And the common rider system that I've stolen from Hidden Intelligence is a magnificent weapon that will protect us against threats. And Aruto gets pissed, like his fist clenches out his side as he says, common rider is not a weapon. Uh... Kind of on Jack's side for this one. Common Rider's a great weapon. Kind of, like, it's it's a deeper series, like, kind of philosophical thing. of Like, Common Rider, at its core, is always meant to be protecting people. Jack just sees something to, you know, destroy stuff. But, like, you protect people with weapons, is the thing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a thing, but it's just fundamentally, philosophically. Like, they're talking about different things. Anyway, Jack mentions that I knew Metsubo Jinrai would be a problem, so I created aims to fight them off until I could take control of things and test my, you know, test my weapons, be good advertising. Fuwa shouts and says, wait, uh, aims is just a money-making scheme to you? And Jack turns to him and says, did you just figure that out, little mad dog? <laughs> I like your translation a little bit more. Although, uh, Izu did drop a nice line. In other words, stealing firearms is Zaya's true intention. Uh, during the speech when she was uh, explaining things to Aruto. Yep. Fua almost knocks his teeth out, and Jack goes full on, like, you know, Sith Master. Like, that's fear. Fear gives rise to anger, and then conflict. And your conflict will lead to our company's profit. Yep, but at this point, uh, the satellite uh, comes back online. Uh, Isu does a quick scan, and there's a suspicious Yimagir that has been spotted in Daybreak City. And so Fua and Aruto, uh, they run away, and... We get to see, like, the fight's back half of the episode. As they depart, Yua asks Jack if he wants to go help, and he says, No, no, Metsubo Jinrai being active means that there's more demand for my weapons. And Yua, you know, once things get into full sway, we'll be right where we want to be. And she looks very sad. And I'll, I'll mention this, this is not my theory, but I've seen this in some places. Some people are looking at the timeline and thinking that if Jack is actually 45, like he says, Yua might actually be his daughter. That would make sense. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that that would show why she's, you know, right by his side and maybe more willing to let a lot of the stuff go. And there's lots of stuff about parents in this series, also. Uh, so, uh, we get a nice fight sequence against a mob of, uh, you know, those just random, like, biker uh, armor-padded, like, uh, human gears. Yeah, the trilobites. And 
Fua at the start, he's raving like I'm I'm good. I'm not Zaya's tool. I'll take down anyone who stands in my way. But Aruto says, "Do you have a dream for when this is over, Fua?" <laughs> I don't want to lose sight of it. I'm fighting for a future where where people and human gears can smile together. That's who Common Rider Zero One is. Aruto, you're a good guy. Yeah, and a good protagonist because you have goals and state them clearly. I also like, I love the interaction between Fua and Aruto. Uh, like, during this fight with the mob, there's a lot of them. They know it's going to take a while. Fua, his eyes on the prize, and he wants to go take down Hirobi. So, at a certain point, he turns to Aruto, says, uh, I'm going after Hirobi. Aruto doesn't try to stop it at all, just wordlessly. He tosses him the buster gun. And he continues to hold off the, the trilobites. Yeah, it, it's great. Uh, it's going to it's gonna really hurt when he becomes mind-controlled and Aruto has to, has, has to fight his own Fua. Well, if only Aruto had a weapon that could deprogram people. Deprogram human gears. Maybe that's the thing where, like, it can't do work on humans. But, yeah, so we we get to the scene in Daybreak City. Uh, Fuo, he spots Robi and uh, fires a couple shots at him. But then a very strong uh, flying rider type attacks him. Like, it's it's the evolved Falcon version. And just manhandles Fuo. And it turns out it's Jin. Yep, it's, it's Burning Jin, specifically. And so his suit, uh, it's clearly an evolution of his uh, earlier form, but whereas the first one was very ramshackle, just kind of bolted together, this is custom, it's streamlined, and it's just big burning fire effects whenever he does attacks. And he's fast, he's catching bullets. It's it's pretty cool. Also, when he detransforms uh, into his human version, like, Jin is suave as fuck now. Like oh, he's, wearing, death- he's wearing a suit. Yeah, death was good to him. He's all grown up. He's had his robot mitzvah. <laughs> for for a second, Aruto even thinks he might be human. Izu has to scan him and say, no, he's still a human gear, but he's, like, evolved. He, his headpiece thing, uh, it's just like an earring at this point. Yeah, he says that he will unshackle human gears from humanity and give them true freedom. That's who Kamen Rider Jin is. And there, there's also a moment where uh, the scientist guy, like, he shows up at the back. When Izu asks, hey, what are you doing here? Jin and the scientist guy kind of talk at the same time, and it's clear that Jin is, you know, controlling him. He says, yeah, I planted stuff to infiltrate your facility. But, and I think this is an interesting character moment, then Jin releases the control of the guy, and the guy just sits there's like, wait, what's happening? So, Jin didn't, like, before, when they were mind-controlling people, it was very destructive. But at this point, Jin is like, no, I, I need you for a thing, but you can go. Jin wanting to unshackle human gears from humanity and give them true freedom? That's, that's fair. That's not... That's not necessarily evil, and that's also not necessarily something that Kamen Rider Zero One might be opposed to. Yeah, when he says that, Aruto has a he. His face isn't really angry; it's more contemplative. Con- contem- he it's contemplative. More <laughs> it's more. Th- it's more thinky. More thinky. Deep thinky. Uh, yeah, and the, there's a final thing where Hirobi he goes down into the dam, and by the way, he's still kind of wearing his trench coat, but draped around him like a cape, and it's it's a good look. I kind of hope he keeps it. <laughs> he connects to the Ark, and he turns to Jin and says, "I'm glad you're back. Time to raise the banner for humanity's extinction." But Jin, like he has his gun thing back, he says, "Actually, that's not what I came back for," and he walks forward dramatically. So I think Jin isn't working for the Ark anymore. I'm not sure Hirobi is working for the Ark anymore. Hirobi was disconnected from the Ark for like 10 episodes or so. Well, but specifically, he just went back down there and Jin wanted him to get connected. So I think Jin like needed data or something in the server, but I don't think they're working for the same purposes. No, like 
Jin was very much uh, Hirobe's like uh, underling at the start of the series. Now, I think a change in leadership is in order. And uh, the preview for next episode, uh, it looks like it's back to the contest. And this time, they're testing a firefighter human gear, which is the first fucking time it seems like Arto has finally gotten a role where a human gear would be great for. Because, like, sending, you know, dangerous situations, sending people into fire and having, like, a stronger, more hardy robot, that's right in their wheelhouse. I know. Like, this is... This one should heavily, highly favor the human gear contestant. Although I'm sure, you know, uh, whatever. It'll probably be rough, rough for one episode, but then they'll win. Like, I mean, it's it's not like they're going to lose on this one. Like, it's going to come down to the final match. Yeah, of course. So yeah, that's Counter Rider 01. It's a fun recap, and they're setting up things for hopefully a better second half of the series. Because there are some shows <laughs> that just fucking fall apart halfway through. Oh, let's talk about Kamen Rider Gaim. Have a brief digression here. I'm on some forums, and like the something alpha forums is one I spent a lot of time on. And there was like a long thread on one of them, and that was like something like a uh, I actually really appreciate the Transformers movies, where a guy kind of looked at the writing and realized that, and he thought it was intentional. I would say it's not, but anyway, he looked at the facts and how the cinematography worked. It basically said the entire Transformers series is secretly like a tragedy about the Decepticons are the good guys. And the Autobots are all, like, liars and cowards. And it's basically deconstruction. And it's it's like Michael Bay just, through his style, accidentally created just a very stark tragedy and, like, something that could be heavily analyzed. And it's just not at all on purpose, but it's just... It's actually just a bad thing, but you can interpret it a weird way. <laughs> so that's kind of Gaim for me now. Gaim, where, where did Gaim go wrong? Was it Michi? Was it Kota? Was it the Overlords? Was it... Because there's a lot in Gaim that I like, you know? I like Kaito, at least what he's written well. I liked Warring. I liked the action. I liked the aesthetic. But then they just didn't fucking stick the execution. Honestly, like I said at the start of it, Gen Urberchi, he's a strong writer with strong ideas, but he had to play within the lines a lot in Kamen Rider. They designed the toys before he was brought onto the project, so he kind of had to write around those. And he still did a decent job, but I think he kind of decided on the end. I just don't think he cared as much towards the end. Like, Kota, he just doesn't have, like, a really clear goal, and there's, like, nothing here for him. Like, he, they they set up the finale. Like the Ironically, I think the problem is they knew where they were going to be. Like, they knew Michi will have a dark arc, but maybe be redeemed towards the end. They know that Kota is, like, going to become an overlord and like you know control the invest yeah they know kaito will be the final boss but like they just started they did weird stuff too early on like they made kaito too they made kaito too relatable too correct for like a fucking genocidal jerk too much of a protagonist yeah they made michi evil too early and they had kota like 
I don't know, they they had him have growth moments, but then he needed to keep undoing them. So because the point that he ends is like not far from where he starts. Not far at all. Like episode one, Kota would have done everything that episode forty six Kota did. Like it's it's more just it's more just watching him suffer for a while, which is kind of the Madoka thing, I guess. <laughs> Because, you know, Urbuchi. That's the start of it. We're very clear here. Mai is stuck in a weird, metaphorical, alternate universe of possibilities. That's just... Her agency, her plotline is done. She makes no more choices this series. She has no more impact on the plot. She is gone. I think she kind of makes one choice, but again, this is my conspiracy theory. Of, I think she makes a choice, but then it doesn't work out. <laughs> but yeah, it's just... She's watching the glowing outlines of people who might decide how it works. Michi and Takatora, they're not out of it, but the candidates that are still in there, Kota and Kaito. I do kind of want to bring that up. So, like, Ghost Future Might, she's in an alternate realm, and she's watching what the DJ says is some kind of, like, dramatic spirit version of what's going on on Earth, which I think is the ass pull that the writers had to do because the plot didn't actually take them to this scene the way that they thought it would 40 episodes ago. The show drifted a lot. I think they should have been more willing to just change their plans. You know, But that you can't... I know, absolutely, they should have been more willing to change their plans. The problem is, and this is the problem with time travel and prophecy and all that, the very start of episode one, they showed us this scene. Like, they, they locked themselves into a path before they had the path down. Okay, but ironically, the whole deal with Madoka, and this is spoilers because I might even be doing some Madoka coverage, but the whole point is you should watch it yourself. Uh, Madoka, at the start of it, they show a flash forward. But the whole deal with Madoka is that one of the characters has the ability to travel back in time. So when you see hints from stuff, that's actually from previous timelines where she was trying to fix stuff. So it actually works totally fine that she wasn't able to completely change it like in that show it's Hamura trying over and over to save Madoka and make her not be a magical girl and she can't do that so if this was just like another iteration if that was like a previous version of Mai and now this is like a different version then you know that would be something but no they had to they had to be a lot more specific with it and it just didn't work back in the real world Kaito walks back into the laboratory where Michi is just Michi is still in a ball on the ground crying uh, he's going to remain there for, like, so he's been there, yeah, he's been there the past two episodes, he's going to remain there the next three episodes. <laughs> like, he's in a ball in a fetal position for three fucking episodes, and that's Michi. Like, this is one of the chief, this is one of the main characters of the series, and they just leave him blue screened in a fetal position for the entire climax. Mai's body kind of glows and disappears. She joins the force. Yeah, yeah, she becomes one with the Force. And Kaito says, what What does this mean? So Sagara shows up and explains, yeah, uh, she's she's the woman of the beginning, and she needs to pass on the golden fruit to whoever wins. So, yeah, Baron says, all right, someone needs to earn the golden fruit. But Michi says, what will that accomplish? Mai will never be human again. She might as well be dead. And this is, again, that weird thing that flares up a couple times in this episode of people being much less cool with cool monsters than I would think so. It was even, like, I mean, it was, all right, I don't think it was, like, a good look, like, the, the glowy Maya, I mean, the, the, I, I could appreciate it. Sure. It's very like, Final Fantasy, and it's gonna get more Final Fantasy. 
Like, she's not even turning to, like, an inhuman monster. But she's, like, she's just wearing different clothes and has different hair color. But she's still my. If she walked down the street in, like, you know, Seattle, people would not, like, people would just think she was doing some kind of cosplay. Yeah. Or, like, Mai's outfit is, Mai's outfit isn't even cosplay. It's just kind of stylish. Like, Kota's outfit will get to it, but... Uh, but yeah, Kota, uh, Kota was rescued by a couple randos, uh, they move his body, even though, like, god damn, this show does not respect spinal injuries, <laughs> like... Well, it, it's more of a gut injury, he's just got a big stab in the gut. But yeah, he is taken back to the Grease Lightning Garage, and he's, uh, healing, like, rapidly, through no effort of his own. And he gets, uh, sucked into a dreamscape to have a chat with Ghost Future Mai, about sharing her suffering... Yeah, like, Maya says, hey, I'm really sorry, I tried to fix stuff, but, you know, it didn't work. And Kota says, oh, don't worry about that. Like, we, we've we made a lot of mistakes and suffered a lot, but it was all our own decisions, which is what, what matters. That's such bullshit. <laughs> and, alright, here's his next lines, and forget about fate, who cares if we can't change it, the future's not written in stone. No, Kota, that's what it means if you can't change fate, that the future is written in stone. <laughs> like, Kota, what, what do you, is this the secret? Like, him turning into an overlord just made him really dumb? It made Kaito not able to stop and explain, here's actually what I want to do? <sighs> yeah, 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 probably. Like, this is an entire climax to a show, a tragic climax that could have been stopped if people just sat down for five minutes and said, hey, here are my motivations, and here's, like, one or two facts that I didn't mention. Kaito never mentions to anybody outside of his little group that, by the way, I was about to die, and, like, becoming an overlord was, like, a last resort. They th- all assume he's just hungry for power. Yeah, yeah. even my, like, during this dream sequence, she drops a line, like, Kaito has a different future in mind than you, and they can never cross. Like, she's... She's putting Kota on a direct path to kill Kaito. Again, like, it's the timeline making her words uh, vague. Because, by the way, when she starts thinking about Kaito, in the dream, she suddenly teleports further away from Kota. And this is moving towards a thing where I really think Mai was on Kaito's side. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, Peach and Baron, uh, they're chillin'. And, uh, like, uh, he's kind of set up his... uh, his kingdom, like, he has, everything is covered in plastic, he's on a throne, and Peach, she's making some serious moves onto Kaito. (laughs) Like, she's saying she wants to be with the king, and it's very explicitly in that way. Uh, I want to be a kingmaker, I want to raise them up and watch them rule, and that's you. I'm, you're my king, I'm gonna follow you. And Kaito says, hey, are you sure the king you'd set up is a dark ruler who would lead to the destruction of the world. And I even heard, like, a Japanese, the word Mao, which is specifically, like, demon king. Like, kind of, in almost, like, video game terms. And Peach says, uh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Kaito and Peach, they're on a bridge, they're, uh, looking out over the city, and then the three, like, minor riders cross paths with them, like, uh, Bravo, Acorn, and Zack. And they decide to fight for some reason. Bravo is able to kind of sense, like, hey, you see different, or whatever. And Baron waves a hand and summons Inves, who then kneel before him, which is baller. Yep. And yeah, then they decide to fight him for some reason. Like, they don't stop and say, like, hey, when you say you're going to destroy the old world, do you mean, like, kill off humanity, or dismantle established power structures and, like, redistribute the economy? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, see, the thing, I think Kaito is more that. 
Yeah. Like, like his, every t- his visions of the future have humans running around everywhere and they're happy. And everyone is in a wonderful Star Trek socialist utopia. Every time someone says, hey, are you going to kill all of humanity? He doesn't say yes. He says, what if I am? Like, this is the whole thing from episode one for Kaito. Like, any- he is fine with people fighting against him. Like, in this episode, he says, I will show no mercy to anyone who opposes me. But he spares every opponent who he fights. I know. He talks a big game. But really, like, he he doesn't go for the kill. He's just putting people into hard positions to find their moral center. It, I don't know. I almost want to, like, disregard some, like, let's just, some of the structure. So they fight. Uh, the point is that Zack, he looks at this whole situation and says, like, all right, I'm going to side with you, Kaito. And he fights, he fights uh, Baron, uh, or he fights Bravo and uh, Acorn. Acorn. Yeah, their belts are destroyed. Yes, because you can destroy a belt, Kota. During battle, you can fight someone and you don't want to kill them, so you destroy your belt. That's something that happens, like, three times in these episodes. Kota never does that. Not once. He just lets himself be stabbed because it's fine. But I'll just cause you some emotional trauma. I think all the other major players figured that out, and they start targeting belts. Never Kota. Like, and yeah, just whatever. The, the rest of this episode is Zack kind of playing up that he's on Kaito's side. But then when Kota starts fighting him, Zack kind of like peels him off of Kaito and he whispers, you're too injured. Go away for now. Yeah, because Kota, he's having like dramatic wound flashes and he it's clear he's not going to win. He's not ready. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Zack. And it's funny because this could have been a point where we stopped in episodes and it will have been the Zack Death Watch. <laughs> uh, so the next episode begins and Zack is double agenting hard. Like he's giving stuff to other uh, Baron uh, dance team members to get back to Kota. And Kota, he's continuing to heal, uh, because he's the chosen one and he will survive everything. Yeah, everyone says, wait, you're going to become a monster like Kaito? And, I mean, like, he even says during the conversation, I don't know, I haven't asked much questions about what's happening to me, even though I had, like, a god in front of me. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Zack sent a message to Bravo, to Oren, saying, hey, I need a bomb, this is all a plan, I'm, I'm a coward who's betraying someone who trusts me. Kaito's always been fighting something. He got all that power and used it to crush Yggdrasil and the Overlords. But I was always a little worried on who was going to turn it on next. And I, Zack is a far better protagonist than Kota. Everyone is better. Like, Kaito is a better protagonist than Kota. Peko is, Peko is a better protagonist than Kota. <laughs> there is one person who isn't a better protagonist than Kota, and that's Vampire Michi. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the, the makeup that's like, I'm wounded, I've said it before, they just kind of put it on the mouth. At this, in this, uh, at this point, it just looked like he's been eating some cashews to me. <laughs> his lips are all like split, his face is pale, and he's still in the same goddamn fetal position that he hasn't moved from in five episodes. Like, I, do you think he's gotten up to go to the bathroom, or is he just in a full-on, like, the same nope, style? Nope, shame, he shame is pedal. lying in his piss, Harry. He is 100% lying in his piss. It's just him getting yelled at by his ghost brother. I mean, that's it. Like, next scene. <laughs> and that's, by the way, uh, end episode for Michi. He does not come back this episode. So, and then there's, there's a moment where Baron, he's been summoning hordes of invests. And him, Peach, and Zack are together on a rooftop. And Zack is saying, that's a lot of invests. And Baron says, well, I need to, you know, I need to take on all of humanity. This isn't going to be enough. And... Zask says, hey, you're just going to all these lengths to destroy the world. What's the worth in that? And Baron says, to destroy those without worth. That's what I fight for. And to be specific, 
like in conversations with other people, Baron has considered people with work worth like very point like my dancing and like just trying to make people happy. He considered that very worthwhile and like a source of strength. Like the people without worth he's fucking talking about have been Michi and the heads of Yggdrasil, like shitty CEOs who've been trying to ruin the world. So I do think he is just trying to like, I'm not saying I want a benevolent overlord over humanity, but that's, but like the current power structure isn't great either. So like, eh, I could, I would be willing to sit down and listen to some arguments. Like, I think honestly, if Kaito was like a real life person after a conversation, I would give, I would say better than 50% odds. I would like kneel on the side and be like, okay, yeah, I'm good with you. Harry, I've still got my primary ballot in front of me. Like, and my candidate just dropped out. Should I ride in Kaito? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Kaito 2020. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh, Zach, he plants the bomb, uh, but Peach sees it. Uh, Peach runs to grab the detonator, but there's a hustle. Yeah, there's a tussle. And so what happens is that Zach activates the bomb, but Peach gets in suit form and jumps in front of Kaito. Yep. She takes the blast and is knocked off the roof, leaving Kaito and Zack on top, uh, having just watched his girlfriend, question mark, go over the oh, edge. Oh, we we missed the scene. That's actually important. And important to my characterization. Uh, Kaito, he was sleeping just in his... It, it's not really a throne. It's more of just a basement. But Mai talks with him, and they're not in the Grease Lightning Garage. They're in the tree. Like the big... The shrine she would they have a genuine connection. Yes, and there's children playing in his vision. It's a beautiful looking world. And Mai says, hey, the future between you and Kota, like only one of you can exist. And Baron says to her straight up, like, yeah, I I want you, Mai. Like and when she asks, this is important about what we're talking about. Mai says, Do you want the fruit or do you want me? And Baron says, I don't see a difference. Like, this is, you're what, I, you're what I've wanted my whole life, you know. I'm going to burn the world to save you. And, you know, just wait for me. And Mai says, you always think you could take what you want. Which could be like, you know, this is, you're overstepping. But Mai is like smiling in this moment. And there's so much chemistry between the two of them. So I, I do think Mai was really okay with this. I mean, she's okay with it. I do think that as well. But also, she doesn't have a choice. Like, we'll see this next episode. But she doesn't get to interfere or choose or have any agency. There's a brief fight on the roof. Like, Zack is, like, because Zack, he looks up and sees, you know, Peach off the roof and Baron's still there and alive. And he says, oh, no. Uh, there's a fight, but it doesn't last long. Yeah. And during the fight, Zack is saying, yeah, I had to become a leader. And that meant I learned to take pride in protecting people. I'm going to save people from you. And Baron says, you've grown very strong, Zack. And breaks his belt, but doesn't kill him. Like, you kind of thought he did? I mean, he did the whole, like, you know, dramatic statement, goes limp in someone's arms. Which, as we'll see with Peach momentarily, is how they indicate death. But the point is, Baron, for all saying, I will show no mercy to those who oppose me, this guy joined his side, betrayed him, even, like, led to the death of someone. But because Baron could understand what he was fighting for, let him live. Then, of course, Kaito goes down, and he chats with Peach one last time. Baron asks, you know, weren't you going to see this through to the end? And she says, yeah, I, I guess I'm not going to. Uh, hey, if I'd received the fruit of knowledge, would you have sought me to? And Baron says, you're Yoko, and the fruit is the fruit. Which is a very clear 
like difference from the my thing so i think this is baron clearly saying like i mean i like you but not in that way i'm more into my and yoko just says you're so awkward <laughs> and then she dies and baron carries her body in front of a horde of invests <sighs> god damn it both in the sense of Kota not growing and also just him suffering, this scene is a lot. But also, it's really good acting. It's like the last really good acting from Kota. So Kota, he's wandered outside the fruit bar, and he's grabbed a fruit, and his sister shows up and says, uh, he says, uh, I always knew deep down, even after I stopped getting hungry, there's only one thing I wanted to eat. And he eats the fruit. Him as his sister, like, they're just having a really dramatic moment. Like, she knows that he's crossed a line. He is not a human anymore. He's not, yeah, he can't be with them anymore. I'm sorry, sis, I can't eat your cooking anymore. But it's all right. Remember what I said way back when? I want to become someone else. And she says, that doesn't mean you had to become this. Uh, And they're both crying. And this is, like, almost seconds away from the sister realizing, I did this. Like, this this is what has come from the stuff she said. And... If it was intentional, if they realized how shitty that speech was, then this would be good writing. So now we jump to the uh, juice bar of self-reflection, where all the side characters who are still alive in the city, like, they're gathered there, and they get evac'd by the Japanese army. Some soldiers burst in, uh, led by a guy who plays the Leo Zodiarts in Fours, and he says, yeah. Uh, some survivors got out, and they said there were beat- the beat riders still in Sawame City helping people st- escape. And so they they say, all right, helicopter's leaving in five minutes. We don't have time to look for the people who aren't here. So all the side characters are out of the city, uh, leaving just Kota and Kaito behind. Sam, I think we may actually need to stop after... <laughs> we may need to stop after this episode. Oh, boy. Because we're, like, it's 949, right? You need to... Yeah, probably. We'll do, like, a soft stop after this episode, and we'll get back together... When you come back, like, maybe the episode will be late, and that's just how it is. Okay. So, as the episode starts to go to a close, goes through Tremai, uh, she comes uh, forward to Kota again, and they're just talking about what he's going to do with Kaito. Uh, you asked me once what the future is, what the future I want is. I think I figured out my answer. And if it's the answer he comes up with in the next episode, this is, like, really dark. Yep, he points his hand to the sky, and he summons a horde of invests to go behind him. And we finally get to the scene that was alluded to at the very start of episode one, where Kota and Kaito have an army of invests behind them, and they're marching at each other. The last obstacle in my way has to be you, Kota Kazuraba. And Kota asks him, what's your actual plan? And the best Baron says is that I will create a world that the humanity of this age cannot with my own two hands. A world worth a week are never trampled. I will fill I will fill this planet with a form of life that will never oppress with my and the fruit of knowledge. That's not a bad plan. It's not a bad plan. Why couldn't they just get along? Like I said, you asked me, Sam, if Kota ever makes a strong decision. Well, this is a strong decision. I'm gonna stop you, Baron. And so now we get the first few minutes of an explodey fight. They transform through all their forms. They they do a final bit of fighting on bicycles. There's CGI dragons everywhere. There's, like, all the big monsters from before, like, they're back. They just, they blow the CGI budget on this. Yep, and the fight, it continues into the next episode. All right, and we don't need banter. Okay, so we're we're doing 46 and then the retrospective. Yeah. 
Wait, are we grading the series now? Like, yes. pre... Yes. <laughs> Rolling right into episode 46. Well, no, we're not not rolling right into episode. Uh, peek behind the curtain. It's three days later. Uh, we needed we needed three days to process this. Also, I had multiple flights to catch. He Simon had to leave for his flight. Uh, the power went out here at Lakewood for a little bit, and it's it's a whole thing. The whole state is descending into a pandemic mess. Like, we might all be dead by the time that you hear this. Yeah, like, I, I now have the choice of sitting at home playing the division or walking outside and living the division. <laughs> episode 46 let, let's not lose momentum three days worth of momentum loss <laughs> talk about momentum loss Maya just sitting there in the world of potential possibilities like yeah all you can do is watch yeah Maya gets to do nothing and also like at the very start of this episode like this episode it's it's clearly the climax of the series and also after this episode we we're apparently doing the series retrospective even though there's like one more episode to go and we'll get into it later <laughs> Uh, but like, so this is the final episode asterisk. It's not, but I guess it is. Yeah. The, the scroll says Kaido's plan is to destroy humanity, which as we discussed before, it really isn't. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's the point where the narrators are just looking at the themes of the show. Like this is, have you heard the story of Ray Bradbury when he went to a college and got an argument with people over like what the themes of Fahrenheit 451 were? Yeah. 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 And he got pissed. It's it's that. Like, the narrator hasn't been watching the same show that the audience has. Kaito's the hero. He's the good guy. Honestly, we might just want to go with his plan. But hey, you know what? Let's kill him instead. Oh, yeah. At the start, uh, uh, Kota. I, I'd forgotten Kota's name. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, my, my brain. I will do that five minutes after this episode ends. My brain started, pre- like... It was preemptively purging the information from my brain, like when you do a, a math class in school and then immediately forget anything. Anyway, so Kota shouts at him, hey, hey, didn't you gain anything beyond your sorrow and despair? Is anger all you have? And Kaito yells back, it is. I hate this world that has only pain for the weak and forces all to be strong. And the power to destroy it all is in my grasp once I destroy you. That's our villain here. I know, he's he's the good guy. He wants to reshape. He wants change. He wants hope and change. Yeah, like, my... I don't want to call Kota Biden and Kaito Bernie Sanders, but... That, that's bit, let's just say he's he's centrist. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's... Look, Kota is, has... He's ascended to the living embodiment of maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> uh, the let's hear both sides, Kota. Yeah. Oh god. Uh, uh, but yeah, my continues to be to have no agency, no choices, and nothing. And yeah, she, she shares in Kota's hope, but she can't bring herself to turn on Kaito because really, he's the hero. If, and also the show. If if they haven't intended that Mai is just in love with Kaito, then they have messed up a lot of stuff. Uh, this episode's gonna get so bad for my. So we're we're kind of jumping around a little bit because I mean it's the final episode. Most of this episode is a fight. You know, there's oh. a lot of punching, and uh, in the context of that punching, like Kaito's beating Kota. So Kota has the power of a god in him. He has all the exact same. He has all the strengths of Kaito, 
And he's losing because he's just worse at it. Like, whereas Baron, yeah. he's a kid who got screwed over by a major corporation, had to bring himself up from from the dirt, created a massively su- successful dance troupe franchise, um, mm-hmm. was like near the top of a sport that was just invented, uh, then kept fighting like fought people who had trained their entire lives as pro soldiers. You know, had to scrape, had to big. <laughs> Had to scrape around for everything he could beg, borrow, and barter. Uh. Yeah, Kota, Kota has a god apple inside him, and he's losing this fight, people. Like, <laughs> it's not even close. He's god. being manhandled. Oh god, Sam, I'm thinking of doing, like, a fan edit of Hamilton, but it's about Kaito. Like, no one's gonna get that. <laughs> that's just, that's literally for two people in the world. So, Kaito, uh, Kaito is uh, Alexander Hamilton, and Kota is Aaron Burr? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. What is a beat writer without a melody? <laughs> anyway. Uh, Jesus. So, Talk about the 2% of the 2% of the 2%. Uh, oh. But okay. anyway, so back to the fight. It goes on for a while, and Kaito lands a finisher on, Kai- uh, on, on Kota. Because Kota's bad at this, and Kota goes down. Kaito approaches to... Deliver the coup de gras, but hey, the riders, they're like, okay, okay, it's time for the hero to win. And then so, Kaito very quickly decides to go to the soccer world and he lives happily on a farm forever. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Kota breaks Kaito's sword and guts him with it. <sighs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Kaito. This whole time, Kaito had... I, I'm not sure how clear I made this in the previous coverage. Hopefully we're not repeating stuff. But Kaito seems very fine with this outcome. Like, he was willing to fight to do his thing on the world but if he had to die to save Mai he was okay with that yeah like Kaito knows that either he controls the world and you know he gets to shape it his way or Kota controls the world and he gets to shape it his way and he's kind of cool with that like there's no reason they should be fighting why aren't they working together Kota's crying and Kaito says like man why are you crying and Kota says I'll gladly cry even if I'm weak I won't stop myself I'll keep going on even crying and I guess this is kind of a development, because, like, in the very first episode, his whole speech to that one kid was like, hey, think of life like a game, and try to get out of it with the least people crying. But now he's, like, fighting constantly and is okay with weeping openly while it happens. It's perhaps a little bit of development, but as they're talking about their motivations, uh, Kaito asks Kodo, like, what he was fighting for, and Kodo says, because I wanted to protect something, that's all I have. And that's code in a nutshell. That literally is all he has. That is his one note. His single note. <laughs> they fist bump. Like Kaito says, Kota, you know what? You're strong. You're a good man. They fist bump. And he dies. The true hero of the story just died. <sighs> and Ghost Future Mai was watching the entire thing in the other world, unable to have any kind of impact on it at all. And so, hey, the universe has decided that she gets to be Kota's girl now. <laughs> And she shows up in the real world, and she seems very disappointed that it's Kota standing there alive. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Especially, well... (laughs) So, the DJ shows up, and she gives the fruit to Kota. And Kota becomes Final Fantasy Kota. (laughs) His outfit is so fucking silly. It's like, it's full armor, spray-painted silver, like radiant silver. Yeah, and he's got the bleached hair. He looks like like one of those... uh, 
paladins or like, you know, a royal knight or something that you meet in the first part of the Final Fantasy game. And it turns out that they betray you at the two thirds mark. And so you have to beat him. like he looks like a boring mid boss that you forget about. He looks like a third tier character in a uh, like Dota like, you know, just one of those characters that like it's a beginner's one, but nobody actually uses him because he's just kind of boring. It's like an alt skin for him that no one picks. Uh, well, the the weird alt skin is him as a street dancer, and everyone likes that more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so they talk with the DJ about, hey, so Kota has ascended to godhood, and Ghost Future Bai is kind of also a god, even though she can't choose anything, and she just gets to be silent there. So they talk about their plans, and the DJ asks, hey, you won. How are you going to destroy Earth? Yeah, And Kota says, well, by the way, I, I want to mention specifically, Kota promised to Kaito, don't worry, I'll carry out your will. <laughs> and and now Kota is definitely not carrying out his will. Like, eh, the power to paint over the world in our image, that would mean destroying everything I fought to protect. Don't be ridiculous, I refuse. Because the world doesn't need change, the world is just fine as it is. Everything's fine. It, you're, you're complaining, you're the problem. The, I'm being uncharitable in this read. I'm not gonna admit this, but... Kota's big idea for saving the world is segregation. <laughs> uh, all monsters on one planet, all humans on another? Yeah. He waves a hand in, in the air, uh, creates cracks in the sky just everywhere, and raptures all of the invests into an alien planet at the other end of the universe. If we have no future here, we'll find another world. So that's an option? Why is bringing the dead wife back to life the only thing it can't do? Literally the only thing he can't do. And the DJ said, like, he shrugs his shoulders. He says, hey, I wasn't expecting this, but you know what? Go forth and prosper. Like, he's he's more or less telling Kota to just have sex with Mai, who breed children and, like... I haven't seen, like, they show up very briefly in some crossover movies and stuff, but I even... Have they broken up by then? Tell me they've broken up. I don't think... I think, guys, they're supporting him as a friend at most. They're, like, the only two people of their species, and, no, she wants none of that from Kota. <laughs> yeah, they talk about, hey, a man and a woman drifting out of paradise to the barren earth. A new genesis is being written. Here's the thing that a lot more people... <coughs> this is the part that everybody pissed off that I knew about before going into the series. Uh, they thought that Kota should then fight Sagra, because Sagra does then just kind of hop off into another universe with some aliens. Still, they're, they're keeping on dancing around campfires. And he, mm-hmm. he makes it clear, hey, I'm going to keep doing the thing. Like, I'm going to keep consuming worlds. I'm still not entirely clear what the DJ's deal is. Like, is he just, is he going around the universe, like, testing places, giving the power? Because, yeah, whatever. That's just his shtick. I mean, the, he said it a couple episodes ago. He he is a force guiding evolution. It's what he wants to do. Beyond that, he doesn't, that's that's just his re- race on Detra. Uh, guiding evolution in a very gender-segregated way. Maybe that's just humans. I don't know. I don't think so. But anyway, so that's done. Time skip three months later. People are hanging out the, at the fruit bar. Yes, the city has been repopulated. Like, things are repaired. Life is getting back to normal. Like, we do uh, we do get to see several, like, you know, uh, stands of missing people, which after a disaster like that, it's a very common trope in this type of show. And we do get to see... Acorn is in front of there hanging up a poster of Haze. Did no one tell him what happened to Haze? No, 
here's how fucking bad the main characters of the show are at giving information. The the people who knew what was going on were remember the scene where Hase died. It was Kota who is dead. Um, like Takatora who is in a coma. Turns out, mm-hmm. um, Yoko. Dead. Yoko, Sid, and Sengo Kuriyomiya. Like, they're all dead. So literally, no one knows what happened to Hase. Well, no, Michi knows. Michi knows. Like, Michi saw the video footage and everything. Well, Michi is just... Michi... Michi continues to be Michi. Well, we see what, what has happened from Kota's treatment of Michi. Like, it's a... Yeah, because... All right. Uh, there's... Because here is the big payoff. First of all, Zack is standing there watching just some dance crews dancing. So Zach lives. Zach he's, li- Watch- he's alive, he's on a crutch. A lot Zach alive as of episode 46, and he doesn't die the next one, so Zach actually lives. Oh my god. Zach Death Watch continues. <laughs> Zach Zach Death Watch will never end until the actor dies or something. I don't know. Yeah. It'll end in about fifty years. The patisserie it's being run by uh Bravo Nacorn. We see, like, happy people inside the juice shop. But, yeah, so Zach, he turns, he sees Michi. And Michi is, he's wearing, like, a baseball cap pulled down low, and he's just, he's just in a depression zone off to the side. So, it's three months later, Harry. How long was Michi at a ball pissing himself? Probably, like, a month or so. I mean, there's not a lot of fat on that kid, so he did probably have to find some food at some point, right? The Acorn and Bravo are kind of talking as narration over this. They say, yeah, I mean, pretty much everybody involved died. So there's nobody to, you know, prosecute Michi for what he did. So he just gets to walk around. But Bravo makes it clear it's worse than if he had died because he's just good enough of a person to realize what he's done. And he will just be in abject misery forever. Zach, he approaches Michi, like seeing him at the dance party. He wants him to join the dance team again. Like, Michi can... I get redemption, but Michi conspired to destroy Earth. Kinda. Michi's plan was, like, saving most of humanity or whatever, and also, I, the, the thing Zach's getting at... I mean, Michi, I think it's clear he's not really a threat anymore, first of all. Uh, even though... <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into it in the next episode, but he is literally the only person left with a working driver. Huh, yeah, and he... Did he inherit the Yggdrasil Corporation? Maybe. Well, I, I don't think the Yggdrasil Corporation is still a thing. Like, it did get revealed to the world that it was going to kill six billion people. So I think maybe that corp- I think the stock price probably fell a lot. So I don't think there's much <laughs> left for him to inherit. Well, but like, you know, it was revealed that they were going to wipe out most of humanity. But then America was nuked and monsters invaded literally the entire world. So we got to figure, like, you know, half the population is dead, at a minimum. I don't know. It's it's like Kingsman, where they have, where they have like, the, the happy ending where everything is fixed way earlier than I think is realistic. <laughs> yeah. Michi. Michi is the last Kamen Rider left, and he's still a shithead. And he refuses to go back to the dance team because he says he doesn't deserve it. And you know what? That's probably the first right thing he's said in about 30 episodes. But Zach, his whole point is that, you know, there's so few people left who know what happened. And I would just like someone around to talk about the people we've lost. You know, Kota, Kaito, Mai, you know, everyone else who died. Like, we need to keep their... Yeah, Hase. Yeah, maybe maybe join the team for like five minutes to explain what happened to Hase to everyone. Then you can go back to your, like, depressed self. Okay, Michi? 
so, nope, instead, Michi has something much better to do. He has to uh, go to the hospital room where Takatora, turns out he was found by a fishing boat, and now he's just in a persistent vegetative state. And Michi is just kind of sitting there quietly in the room and sobbing forever. <laughs> and now we get to see a flash to the afterlife question mark, like to wherever souls go when people are in vegetative states, which let's not get into that too much. I mean, we've seen the people with the uh, fruit powers that can talk to people in dreams. Like Mai did that a bunch and now Kojo is doing that. Uh, I mean, persistent vegetative state is not a dream. Pers- persistent vegetative state is a flat line. I know, he has god powers, he can... <laughs> so the one thing Kota decides to do with his god powers is fix Takatora specifically so he can go help Michi. God damn it, yeah. Uh, Kota appears, like, into the dream. He tells Takatora that the weight you carried is more than one person can bear. He has one last favor to ask of you. I want you to go back to Michi. Why is the show still trying to rehabilitate Michi? Like, Harry... Uh, do you remember uh, Garo, the ones who shines in the dark, where like the final few episodes were all about redeeming the shithead priest who caused all the problems in the first place? This is a very clear analog of that. Like that priest was the worst. Michi's the worst. Like they both caused the problems of the series, and yet the show wants us to forgive them. I'm not. Sh- I mean, I'm thinking back. I don't think Barai caused. Like, sure, he was responsible for a lot of the problems, and he didn't tell people, but he was still, like, actively trying to fix it. He was just, he was big shit at solving it. He didn't actively cause the problems in the same way Michi did. Yeah. Oh, so so this is worse, then, is what you're saying. This is worse than that thing that we were screaming about, like, 50 episodes ago. I mean, we'll get to the episode rate. We'll get to the series ranking soon. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much there, because, like, one of the final shots of this episode is Takatora waking up. And from what I've seen of Michi's character, I think there's even odds that Michi would immediately screech and put the pillow over his face. Like, because Michi can't deal with things. Oh, it's so bad. Like, this show... Harry, at what point do you think the writers realized that they had completely and utterly screwed up Michi's character arc? I think the main thing is that Ganorobuchi didn't care at this point. Like, He just started phoning it in, and like, yeah. He was frustrated with having to deal with, like, the demands from a pie. All the belts and stuff, like the the tie-ins to the specials and movies, I doubt he liked those. The next episode, he's not involved, which is why, right now, we're going to do our final series thoughts and our our full-on ranking. Oh god, like, I have, I still do not, uh, people, people audience, there is one more episode left. There is an episode 47 of the series. Harry is insisting that this is the end of the series. Like, I, I'm taking his word for it, I think we're going to watch episode 47 next week i honestly don't know but we are so we'll find out then but yeah let's let's rank uh common rider gaim harry do you have our rankings uh i mean i can remember <laughs> we have this exact same conversation every time no 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 like at the top was common rider double and very close behind was pirate sandego kaiger after that was black lightning season one after that was black lightning God, I feel like I'm missing one, because the, there's Garo, who shines, the one who shines in the dark beneath that, and then uh, then Ultraman Nexus, right? Because there was some dispute about, is it because you wanted to put Garo, uh, hmm. oh yeah, I wanted to put Garo above Black Lightning, and we were, uh, the argument was, uh, Garo had a stronger middle, but a weaker end, whereas Black Lightning had a 
a weaker middle, but a strong, a much stronger end. So, and I think we, or at least I came down with Black Lightning being above Garo. I'll just quickly, oh, Gridman. Okay, that's, that's the thing. Because I wanted to purchase it for my mind. We did also cover Gridman. Where did we put Gridman? Oh, fuck, Harry. Like, we really do need to write this down at some point. Oh, that's right. Gridman was between Black Lightning and Garo. That was the argument. Did we bifurcate ratings? No, you wouldn't let me. Like, I wanted to put Gridman, like, above Black Lightning in my rankings, but you said, no, we have to have one show ranking. And you made us, you forced us to compromise where Gridman was, was right where it is. Okay, okay. Yeah, Gridman, I do think Gridman was worse uh, than uh, Garo, the one who shines in the dark, but it's only, like, ten episodes. So, you know, it, it's brisk. Honestly, I think that this is the lowest I could possibly put it, which is to say right above Ultraman Nexus. <laughs> is that fair? Is that fair? Right, so Garo, Garo has a lot of problems. It had, but but they're similar problems to ones Gaim has, where it has like the strong middle, but then weak end and weird stuff and characterization. But I feel like Gaim was aiming higher with like Phil because they put writing on Kota and Kaito and had them be like. Actively, that was worse for the characters because, like, what they were fighting for and stuff. Garo is just dudes who are fighting, you know, they're the knights and, you know, they're, they're fighting demons and they don't okay. need much motivation. Here, try this on, Harry. Gaim gets that low ranking because it is morally repellent, the messages that it is putting out. Yeah. Like, the, the morality of the characters, like, how the show was coming down as these characters are wrong, these characters are right, that is so off base that the show <laughs> yeah but let's let us lest us forget ultraman nexus a third of the show is about fridging one of the main characters and the entirety of the show is about denying agency to a main to a main female character oh my god harry like common writer gap like it's it's only the women only the women died in the end like all the men came back to life yoko didn't come back to life uh, the the professor warring stayed dead but he was a villain. Like, you know, of the heroes. Like, all the men came back to life. All the women stayed dead. Uh, I guess Haze. Does Haze count as a hero? Um. I thought you said that this was a high body count show, Harry. It was, it's Yoko and Haze. Like, Sengoku Ryoba, Yoko Haze. No, uh, don't count the villains. Don't count the villains. Villains die. But, like. Look. People crossed back and forth, like, in the hero-villain status of the show, like... Yokohaze and Kaito, I guess. Even though they wanted Kaito to be the main bad guy, even though he was the true hero of the show. Like, god. Okay, like, like, okay, also, like, a third of the population of the Earth is probably dead. Yeah, but we didn't see that. In all of America. (laughs) Alright, so it's, uh, Ultraman Nexus at the very, very bottom. Followed by Kamen Rider Guy. Followed by Garo, the one who sheds in the dark. After that is Gridman, then Black Lightning, and then in just a photo finish, it's Pirates and Taiko Kaiger just beneath Kamen Rider Double. Yes. Now, Harry, I believe this is the time where we announce which series we are doing next, or at least we have a spirited debate about which series we are doing next, even though we have one more episode to go. I have a strong contender in mind, so Power Rangers RPM, weirdly, 
has lots of similarities both to Gaim and Kamen Rider Zero One in ways that you'll understand if you watch it. But also, it's like it's it's lighter. Uh, it's a Power Rangers show, so it's got well, it's got some. Co- All right, saying it's lighter is weird because it's lighter than Gaim, I'd say, but it's not lighter than Zero One. If we're talking about body counts and shows, this has both a very high and low count. Okay, so a Super Sentai RPM, Power Rangers RPM, the the American version. Oh, the American version. Oh, okay. Yeah, Get like some American so, Toku in. Yeah, like uh, you might recognize some of the suits you saw briefly in Gokaiger as Engine Sentai Goanger. That's the show where the I will not the recognize car... anything. All right, like the, the cars. They had a kid that was like a weird ruffian. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll probably recognize that, but like I won't recognize any of the costumes. Uh, and I mean, are you cool with it? Maybe. It's almost like we're going with a theme, I guess, this time, because I think the length of Power Rangers RPM would mean that we might be finishing it up or, well, no, it depends on the rate we're going. Anyway, it's a good show. I really like it. And I think it's, so if you're okay with us uh, maybe having, it's almost like if Kamen Rider Zero One went like, it's like the bad ending to Kamen Rider Zero One. We'll we'll say that. But, but we don't know the... Uh... We don't know the ending to Zero One yet, but I am intrigued. So you know what? Let's go for it. And you know what? Let's try to time it so that we are ending Zero One and RPM at basically the same time. So you can finally have an excuse to quit the show. (laughs) My work here is done. No, no, no. no. Just so we can get an absolutely fresh, clean start or whatever and, you know, and do it that way. And fix fix our weird release schedule that makes it impossible for anyone to get in. I see I see your game. <laughs> All right, so starting in two two weeks? Two weeks because we got we got episode forty seven and then we got War Zero One. Uh or and, should we watch then, the first episode of RPM next week as well? Um Maybe. Three shows. Yeah, maybe. Three shows. <laughs> you said to never do it again, but fuck it, then you just said we will, so yeah, sure, three shows. Yes. And this is Future Ghost Harry chiming in. We've actually changed our minds, and we're not going to do an episode of RPM next up. Ep- next episode, uh, we're going to be starting it later. We'll let you know when. So ignore whatever we say for, for the rest of the episode, like you usually do. And it's on Netflix, at least in America. I don't Yay. know. I mean, I know like at least one of one of our twelve listeners is in Australia, so I don't know if it's on Australian Netflix. Just but get a VPN. It, yeah, whatever. NordVPN. Mm-hmm. It's more sponsored by NordVPN, like everything is, except we're not. Please, God, give us money. No. Podbean, they have a thing saying, like, hey, you could earn ad revenue on your shows. And, like, I almost want to do it just to see the novelty of you earned two cents with that last episode. Do it, Harry. Do it. And then we'll we'll have a segment every few episodes where we talk about, like, how much we made. 45 cents. That's because of you. <laughs> we're, we're falling apart here. I think we're done. But there's one more thing we got to do, Harry. Any idea what that is? Keep on dancing. Keep on dancing.